Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your host, Mike Turner, and with me, as always, is our producer, Mason, and also back from one podcast suspension for yellow card accumulation is Sean Campbell. How are you gentlemen doing today? Uh, well, I'm a little sleepy, but I'm being brave about it. Good for you. And you, Sean? I'm doing all right. You know, it was, it was, I guess I got a little bit too much into hot water there, but you know, them's the breaks, kids. Hey, don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what they always say. They always say, shoot for the moon, you'll land amongst the stars. Yeah, unless uh, you're leaning back when you take that shot, and it does go to the moon, as we saw quite a few times in some of the MLS games this week. But uh, that always happens in every league somewhere. And uh, before we get started, we got a big show. We're going to go over World Cup qualifying rosters are out. We're going to give our thoughts on uh, who we think is going to start in the three-game window that covers a week. Uh, Go over some other interesting stuff and observations. Also, there's been a lot of... uh, transfer activity out there concerning the United States national team and uh, MLS. We'll talk about that and we'll have a little bit of uh, MLS news for you this week. But first of all, I want to mention that uh, St. Louis City, their academy is going to have their first home games in MLS next coming up this Saturday at noon. And uh, the three of us, the Soccer Capital Podcast is planning on making a showing then. So if you see us, be sure to say hi. You'll be able to notice me. I'll have the silly hat. <laughs> but uh, the big story this week is, and the big story for the last four years, is World Cup qualifying is beginning, starting off uh, this Thursday night at El Salvador. It's an away game. Uh, the rosters were released. Very young roster, just over 24 years of age on average. One of them is Tim Ream, who is five years older than the next oldest player on the roster, who happens to be Sebastian Legette, and he kind of skews it even older than it probably is for the effective players that will play most of the minutes in this. And uh, we're going to start off and just kind of go down the roster. Most of you are, I'm certain, quite aware of it, but we'll give our thoughts on it. And goalkeeper, no real surprises here. We've got Zach Steffen. Matt Turner, and even Horvath. E- Ethan Horvath, if I can speak. Um, not a lot of surprises there. Uh, who do we think is going to start? It's got to be Turner. I. It's got to be Turner. I know Stefan has been the number one as of late, but Turner showed up well. He's been playing consistently for club, and Stefan really hasn't been seeing minutes, if at all, over in Premier League. So, uh, for me, it's got to be Turner. I mean, it's something that... Um... I know that you're big on uh, Mike is uh, is like that the home games are the big ones you need to win. So I could see Stefan starting that one for the I don't want to say less important. They're all important games. But for the away games, I could see them starting Turner over Stefan in those possible. It's possible. I think not my opinion, but I think Burhalter is going to start Stefan in the first two games. Uh, Stefan's been there. He did play uh, one game. Was it the Community Shield? Uh, Perhaps not. And did very well. It's not the Supporter Shield. That's MLS. Uh, The Charity Shield. Community Shield over in England for Man City. He did a very good show. Was excellent in his shot-stopping. Team lost the game, but it wasn't his fault. He did show up well. 
Berhalter trusts him. He's been through a lot more games than Turner has. And he is a little bit better with his feet and his decisions on when to come out for crosses and all that. He's not a world beater. And Turner can close in fast. I just think it'll come down to those little things that'll tip the tip it over to Stefan. Uh, but if he continues not to play and Turner, you know, keeps playing, though Turner's time of playing is going to be running out after the next qualifying window after this one, uh, then you might see the changeover, you know, and how the competition goes, how they look in training, you know, these things we don't know. I think they're going to pick Stefan, but I would not be surprised or at all disappointed if they chose Turner. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was about to say is, um, yeah, Turner certainly would not be a bad pick by any stretch of the imagination to put out there to start these games. Uh, I just I see it being Stefan because he's kind of been the one a guy. And uh, the only possible one that was out there was Brad Guzan because of his veteran presence, been through these games before, uh, knows how it's going to go when they travel and qualifying and that veteran presence. Don't not not at all surprised to see Ethan Horvath in here. Uh, it, no, it, it's the only other one that could have been there that would have been just absolutely jaw-drockingly sho- shocking. Would have been Brad Guzan had the third goalkeeper role, but Horvath's a good point and a good choice, and he deserved it. Uh, some of the other ones looking uh, at left back they've got listed is going to be Anthony Robinson playing at Fulham, and uh, George Bello of Atlanta United getting the call in on this. Uh, not a lot to say here. Leftback's not a uh, strong uh, point in the rosters. Any other thoughts on these two? I, honestly, I see them uh, I see them splitting some time. I, I, I Personally, I don't see either one of them really standout starter but if they do start they're going to get subbed off at 60th minute just because again you got to manage your your legs because you got three games in seven days and that's a that's a rough schedule yeah and uh at right back you've got listed as uh Serginio Dest and DeAndre Yedlin on this Yedlin of course having been through World Cup qualifying haven't been through World Cups not a lot on this team that can say that uh and you could also see Dest moving over to the left back, Yedlin in the right back spot, at least for one of the games. I would not be surprised at all to see that. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm surprised to see only four listed here because of the lack of depth. But I guess you got to pick here. As we get to center backs, one of them is uh, Tim Ream. You know, he has played at right back before in his career be pretty bad if he gets shuttled out there he's kind of slow and not up to it but uh he can cover that role because there's a long list of center backs on this roster uh you got john anthony brooks and miles robinson walker zimmerman's getting another run out uh we've also got mark mckenzie who was in the nation's league and james sands gets a call up as well uh with sands I think he's there for a three-man back line or that hybrid role of playing central midfield dropping into a three in the back if they choose to do it. Any thoughts on who you think is going to start, Sean? Um, honestly, I think 
I think with him bringing as many center defenders as he has, I think we're going to see that that back three at some point. I'm not sure we'll see it as the starting formation, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think the two that are going to get a lot of the playing time are probably going to be, if I had to pick anybody, I think I'm going to go with Zimmerman's. Zimmerman getting getting a fair amount of it. And uh, I think McKenzie, if I'm not mistaken, he can also slide up and play into that midfield um, we've got quite a few guys that can go back back into or forward into that midfield if we need to adjust how that's working. Um, but honestly, I'm still re- getting re-familiarized with a lot of these guys. So, But I, I feel like Walker Zimmerman, he's going to see a significant amount of time. And uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if we see John Brooks getting a, a fair amount, especially if we have that back three. I would like to see quite a bit of Miles Robinson. I was really impressed with his play in the the cup over the summer. So I would like to see, uh, I'd like to see some of him, but I don't know if it is going to work out, you know? Oh, I think we're going to see a lot of Miles Robinson myself because of his athletic ability and his one-on-one defending, uh, playing on the same side as Serginio Dest, Dest who uh, doesn't do those things. Uh, Robinson will be able to help cover for him as he bombs forward. Uh, Dest does need to improve on his defensively. Doubt it's happened since the Nations League going into these games. Uh, Brooks, you know, as long as he's been with the team, and he has World Cup uh, experience as well, has only four caps in World Cup qualifiers. He's just always been hurt and notoriously has just melted in the heat and humidity in Central America. These games are being played later in the day and later in the year. It may not be that big an issue, but Brooks also has a little bit of injury history as well. So I imagine it'll be Brooks and Robinson in the Canada game, uh, possibly to start El Salvador, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Zimmerman and perhaps McKenzie come in late in that. What he's going to do for Honduras I think we'll have dictate a lot by how many points they get out of the first two games. That's where you might see McKenzie get a run out. Uh, I got a feeling Reams on this roster for what ifs and veteran presence, if you ask me, and some flexibility. Hopefully, Walker Zimmerman can stay healthy this time around. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's one thing. Miles Robinson already has three goals and nine caps, uh, set pieces. Him and Zimmerman. And Brooks did it in the World Cup. All can score on headers. It's a decisive advantage that the U.S. has. With Weston McKinney also in there, and he's well noted for putting headers in on set pieces. It's going to be a real strength with all of those guys. Zimmerman and Brooks have the best distribution. Robinson's gotten better. But I think Robinson's one-on-one defending, especially in games when death starts. You'll see Robinson behind him is my thought. Moving up into defensive midfield, uh, we got, of course, Tyler Adams. He's one of your written-in-ink starters as long as he's healthy. And Kellen Acosta, who really showed he was the much-needed backup to to Tyler Adams on this one. And again, Sands can also play this, especially in a three-back role, because that's what he does for New York City. I think we're pretty well set there. I think of the big games, Adams will get the start. I... Don't think Burhalter will be shy about putting Acosta in if he needs to give him a rest uh, or play that third game in this. Adams uh, has been playing and playing well for Leipzig 
and getting that role in that position under Jesse Marsh at Leipzig, though the team hasn't done well, he has. So I think that one's pretty well set. There's not a lot to discuss there. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be shy about throwing Acosta out there, though, because he's another guy that really impressed over the summer. Uh, Central midfield, uh, we've got uh, Weston McKinney, again, your right inning starter. Uh, Sebastian Legette, who's been good for the uh, national team, better than he showed this summer. He's been better in the past. Uh, He does what he knows what Burhalter wants, so he's going to be there. And Christian Roldan, who lately Burhalter mentioned as his Swiss Army knife. In other words, don't expect Roldan to get any starts. Uh, Expect him to be on the bench if needed, because it might not be central midfield. That's not his best spot. The wing is where you might see Roldan, and I expect him to come in and, you know, he's already starting to get his badges as a coach. He's sort of a coach on the field. And I imagine he would come in and implement any changes to formation, things like that. That's my thoughts on that. Anybody got any other thoughts? Uh, just about um, about Roldan, he just how effective he was in that role in the Gold Cup. It was really remarkable. Yeah. National Team Twitter, which is not... No, no. Go ahead, Sean. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I agree. Um, I don't see Roldan getting any starts. McKinney's going to get the big games and... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see on games we start Acosta. If you need to give McKinney a break, put Acosta, or if we start Adams, you put Acosta in there to give McKinney the break. But I think the three of them are all going to get at least two, they're, they're, they're all three going to get two starts out of this somehow. Somewhere. Uh, the other one is interesting when we go to the wing players is Giovanna Reina has been playing in central midfield instead of on the wing for Borussia Dortmund so far this year. And it's looked pretty good in that role. He's only got a few starts. It's not his natural position. I just wonder if, uh, with the light level of central midfielders here, if that's something Burhalter has in the back of his mind as well to slot in. And of course, on the wing, you've got Reina, as I mentioned, Christian Pulisic, uh, Brendan Aronson, and Conrad De La Fuente. Um, I just want to, I just want to note about Reina. I mean, I feel like. This, this midfield situation is, it's a little funky, but I could see him being, just being given the attacking midfield position and letting him float to where he needs to be and kind of flex around that midfield. But towards the front of it, kind of give us an extra, extra link between that mid, that center CDM where we've got Adams and the forward players. Um, that's, that's where I see him playing. Um, I don't really see him playing out wide too much. And when I mentioned the wingers, uh, I mentioned Timothy Weah, but he got hurt in the last game. He is out for this qualifying window. So there is only uh, four wingers. Uh, Reina's play in central midfield uh, may be dictated by the minutes that are going on. That's still stretching a lot of minutes over three games for all these guys. Uh, But I think a lot of it will have to do is how Brendan Aronson, if he continues what he's shown for the national team, which has been very lively, very bright, very good. And Conrad De La Fuente, who is tearing up League One, had been very good this year after bench riding and often not even making the roster at Barcelona. Uh, see how he does in training, how well he picks up the system. He has been called in before, so he's not new to the national team setup, albeit it was for 
one game, I believe, of friendly against Wales. But we're kind of short on the wing as well. So I guess a lot of these guys are all going to play. When you put them all in, uh, they're all going to get minutes. It's just who's going to get the key minutes. And of course, the key minutes are going to be against Canada. I think against Canada, you're going to see Pulisic and Reyna on the wing uh, to start. And McKinney and Leggett in central midfield. I got a feeling that's the way it's going to go. Uh, then the other games will be split up either starts or substitutes for everyone else on the list to cover those games without killing anybody on the field. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the wing players? Nothing else comes to mind outside of Pulisic better start as much as possible. And we were anticipating that maybe they'd bring somebody in to replace Wea. He got hurt so late that possibly for travel time and the camp started. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday late afternoon. Camp started on Monday. Uh, thought maybe somebody would come in from MLS, uh, but there's been no word as of recording. So it looks like uh, he already expanded the roster a bit to 26. Now it's 25. I guess he's just going to go with who's already got the call up uh, on that. And then going ahead to center forward or strikers. This is where some interesting news comes. Not necessarily the first two names on the list, which is Josh Sargent, the incumbent so to speak, since Giassi Zardes is injured. We've got uh, Jordan Pifak, who's really been playing very well for young boys in the Swiss League so far this year, and in, I believe, it's Europa League qualifying, could be Champions League, the qualifying rounds. You know, uh, I don't remember which tournament they're in. I think it might be Champions League, but he's done very well. And then the young 18 year old dual national Ricardo Pepe's getting called in. He's been very hot, scored again two goals this past weekend for FC Dallas. Uh, I imagine we'll see him play a little in this. I don't know how much he'll get to run out. I am expecting Sargent to start in the big games myself. Uh, anybody else have any observations on the central, uh, the center forward position? Uh, I'm after watching, uh, Pepe in the, uh, in the all-star game and in that game against FC Dallas, I'm just, uh, I'm hoping he gets minutes cause I'm excited to see him. And, uh, with this, I've also been told since he's under 20, even if he got caps, he played in all three games, he would not be tap, uh, cap tied to the U S he could still make a one-time change uh to mexico if he so chose but he'd have to wait three years after his last game with the u.s to do that uh so it's unlikely uh that uh he's going to make that change i don't see that happening his comments made it seem like he's quite firm in deciding to play for the u.s i don't know if he'll get three caps in this window i would be surprised if uh he didn't get any i wouldn't be surprised but i expect him to play he's just so good He's the best peer scorer that we have in the pool for putting the ball in the back of the net. And we haven't even seen him play for the national team, but you can just tell the guy knows how to put the ball in the net. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him get any starting time, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see him come on as like that 60-minute sub just to make sure that Sargent's not playing a whole game so he's ready to go for the next one. Yeah, and, and remember, they also can't, play all these games because they still need to play with their club teams and keep fresh and get playing time. We know that these young kids coming in, 
they're unproven in these World Cup qualifiers going down to Central America and some of these places. But the talent, the talent's better than anybody we're going to face in the, especially in this window. But going to play in Central America in El Salvador and Honduras is something they haven't experienced. Uh, they're going to have the fans intimidating from the second they land in the airport. They're going to be out there banging drums and playing live music and blowing horns all night outside of the hotel so they can't sleep before the night of the game. Especially in Honduras, expect the pitches to be uh, not pristine. In Honduras, it might even look like they were grazing cattle uh, a few weeks ago and then stopped, and the grass is going to be about four inches higher, especially because of the way that Honduras plays. Uh, El Salvador... I don't think it'll be that bad, but it's a whole different experience. So one thing we've got to watch out for is how they adapt to playing in these environments. And the other thing is it's so important to get those home wins in World Cup qualifying. We've seen it over and over again. I expect the A-list team to not be El Salvador on Thursday, but really on Sunday at home in Nashville against uh, Canada. That'll be when we see the A-listers play. And... I don't believe that Pulisic, Reyna, Adams, and uh, McKinney have ever started a game together. Ever. So that's something to keep in mind as well, how young and inexperienced this squad is. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting Canada to probably be the first competition we face in this window. But when, like, you know, we, when we say that, I definitely don't want to downplay, especially El Salvador. El Salvador played really well in the Gold Cup. We should not take them lightly. No, they're they're a decent team. They're not better than the U.S. Uh, the and uh, they never quit. They're going to keep fighting. The other one to watch is really look at Honduras just because of the way they play. They're going to be at home. They're going to take you know any tactical noose that uh, the U.S. has, and they're going to have that grass long, and they're just going to put Tim behind the ball. I could I could definitely see. Um both sides of it where, you know, we put more of our A-listers against Canada because they're going to be the, the they're the tougher team. Um, but I, I wouldn't put it past Burhalter to because of the way he has to manage this because it's so tight. We see more of the A-listers on the two road games just to maximize points because this is just the first window, but you have to come out of the gate strong and get a good start because you don't know who's going to be available for that next window. So in, in, a, in a looking at maximizing points, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a few more of the guys get rested against Canada. I don't think so. I think you're going to defend the home turf. It's historically been the most important thing. The U.S. did not do it. Plus, they didn't get any points on road trips either. So getting points where you can. But I can see bringing in... I could see going to El Salvador with... You know, there's some veterans out there that are also kind of A or uh, second choice that are good enough. They could play in El Salvador, but I think he's going to bring the full A-list team. Or he might mix and match them. Who knows? Maybe Reyna plays with the B team. But I I imagine starting, I think in El Salvador, he's going to start a very strong team and then sub out. Yeah, I mean... I'm expecting a pretty strong team in El Salvador for no other reason than it's the first game you want to build your confidence, if for no other reason. In Honduras, you might be looking at a little bit more cycling, because um, I bet you're going to see a lot of overlap players play in El Salvador and in Canada. Probably going to have some of the people who were subs starting in Honduras just because of logistics. 
But um, yeah, I, I tend to kind of agree a little bit on both points. I think that he's going to want to put best feet forward against Canada, have all the big guns out there, but I'm expecting a really strong showing um, in the, the starting 11 on uh, with the El Salvador, El Salvador game because it's the first game and you want to put your best foot forward there. And Berhalter's in a tough situation. There's a lot of pressure on him from the fans and U.S. soccer to get through qualifying. He's got an incredible amount of uh, pressure on him to get this right. And he's got a lot of moving parts and a lot of things to think about. So our speculation might not be what he sees. Also, we don't know what's going to happen in training if somebody's picking up things that other ones aren't. He might make us a shocking move because of what he's seeing in training. And then, you know, national team Twitter going on upper hour, but they're not there either. And they'll be in an uproar no matter what happens. Yeah, stay off the of soccer Twitter, kids. <laughs> You're the smartest man amongst us for that reason alone. Look at the roster. Uh, any surprises for you, Sean, on who was left off? The only names that really come to my mind um, that I, I at first was a bit confused about was uh, Hoppy and uh, I didn't really, Hoppy and, and Richards come to mind, but then again, you know, now that we see that they they had impending transfers at the time of selection, it makes a lot a lot of sense because you want to let them get settled in with their clubs so they can get back into their form, and then maybe next window we see them. Yeah, and neither one have actually played since the summer. Richards played like forty five minutes against a fourth division club in a cup competition for Bayern, and uh, Hoppy just hasn't played because they've been working on a transfer for him ever since the Gold Cup. Uh, so they're also not in match fitness, so they're off. Anything surprising to you, Mason? Uh, we're seeing Bellow over Vines, um, kind of because Sam Vines performed very solidly, uh, over the summer. Uh, George Bellow did as well, but, um, it, it's hard even really to kind of say where to really land on that, but I, I expected Vines to get a shoe in after his performance. Yeah, was, he just got a transfer over to Royal Antwerp uh, in the Belgian League and uh, hasn't really performed that well over there at this time. And I thought Bello was a step ahead of him just in overall play, especially defensively in that final of the Gold Cup. And especially since then, Bello's been very good in MLS. Uh, still a very young kid, but he's starting to show the promise that everybody's been talking about for three years now about him. So maybe that had the difference. Uh, well, but obviously any European player is of a higher caliber than any MLS player because MLS is a weaker league. <laughs> yeah, we won't go into that fight. It's just say, be glad that we've got a a strong and growing stronger domestic league to fill in spots. Yeah, no, that definitely sounds like a comment you'd hear on soccer Twitter. Remember, kids, don't do soccer Twitter. It's a gateway Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Winners don't use Twitter. Yeah. It's a gateway to pure hate, folks. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, we got three, three games in seven days in this window. Turn around and starting on October 7th, is the next window. So uh, no rest for the wicked here. Uh, 
the next window is going to be Jamaica at home, at Panama, and at home against Costa Rica. So important to get the points there. Mexico doesn't come until uh, the third window, I believe. Uh, so that's when that test will come. And uh, anything else to add on the World Cup qualifying other than, you know, been looking forward to this for four years now, and it all starts uh, Thursday night. No, I'm I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see him take the field. Uh, you know, this is this is going to be the first World Cup qualifying I've watched. The first World Cup I've paid attention to in this kind of a capacity. I'm excited for it. I really hope I really hope that we make it because it would be devastating if we didn't. Yeah, that's it's going to be exciting, um, especially from a from the perspective that I haven't really paid attention to the national team for a long time just because they they just kind of fell off there and I don't know what happened and it, it just kind of slipped my slipped my mind for a while focused on my domestic leagues and I'm most excited to see well I guess anxious do we get Mexico at home or are they away because I've that's I'm a good not question. Sure we're ready. I don't have the schedule up in front of me. I'm not sure we're ready for these young kids to play them in Azteca. <laughs> in Azteca, though. Well, that's true, but uh, I don't. That's my worry. The U.S. has never been ready. They just sometimes win. <laughs> Dos and it hasn't been often. <laughs> yeah, uh, U.S. points in World Cup qualifying in Azteca are very few and hard, uh, hard to come by historically. Uh, I not expecting that to change. Bit love to see it, but I'm not expecting that to change. So, moving on from World Cup qualifying, uh, involved mostly with the U.S. Uh, national team and MLS. There's been a few transfers. I'll run through them quickly because they all broke today on Tuesday. It's at the end of the European window. Before you get started on that, um, I it is my understanding that Mexico will be a home game for us. In that in the November window? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not sure if that's official, official, but when I did a brief look, I believe that, that my understanding yeah. is that it'll breaking be Breaking news, level. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> breaking news to us. <laughs> but uh, going over some of the transfers and a couple of the names that we brought up earlier, Matthew Hoppy did get his transfer away from Schalke in the second division of the German Bundesliga to Mallorca in the first division of La Liga. Uh, Mallorca is playing pretty well. Uh, there's understandings with the roster. He could get very well be in line to have starts and play a lot of minutes. And also Mallorca is partly owned by Fox Sports' own Stu Holden. So that's exciting. As a part owner, I don't know if Holden had anything to do with it, but that's a, that's a nice little touch on that transfer. Uh, Chris Richards... He got something found out for this year. Uh, he is getting loaned by Bayern Munich to Hoffenheim, where he played on loan last year and played very well. Uh, Hoffenheim wanted him back. They get him for another year-long loan. And also, I had a, heard saw a report that he also got a two-year extension to his contract with Bayern Munich. That's kind of big news. In MLS, Diego Rossi, last year's Golden Boot winner, uh, is leaving LAFC. He's going on loan with an option to buy to Fenerbahce of the Turkish League. So he gets his move to Europe to a pretty big league there. Uh, Nicholas Giacchini, who's been at Cannes, 
is getting loaned, I believe, with a purchase to buy as well, to Montpellier in League One, first division, not Con in the second division. Uh, Jack DeVry, a youngster, 17-year-old with the Philadelphia Union. He's going on loan to our beloved Venencia in Serie A. Uh, the bottom feeders in Serie A are adding him to Tanner Tessman and Giancarlo Busio there. Jean-Luc. In their midfield. And, and uh, Eric Palmer-Brown, uh, on contract with Man City, gets loaned out everywhere. This year he's going to be loaned to Ligon Team Choice in the first division in, in France. Choice? I don't believe that's how it's pronounced. I believe it's Trois. It's French. Who cares? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so those are some of the transfers that we know of that happened today. There's been a lot more. I don't know about you, Sean. Have you ever seen anywhere near this number of transfers for any Americans going to Europe? Uh, I, I don't remember seeing this many in one window, let alone like a 48-hour period. Um, also, at time of recording, there's no report of it. But there's talks of Carter Vickers going on loan from Tottenham. And I have yet to see anything confirming it. But who knows? We might have news of that before the end of the day. Yeah, Celtic uh, in the Scottish Premier League were after him, as is Newcastle United. Uh, No surprise to Sean, as a Tottenham fan, that apparently Daniel Levy's looking for a a full-on transfer, not a loan, and for more money than most other teams want to pay. Come on, you boys in green. Yeah, Levy being Levy. I think uh, Celtic's out of that. Yeah, Levy being Levy. And uh, actually, I don't know how good CCV actually is. He's never really kicked on since he went to Europe, but uh, he'll he'll be on the fringes of the national team. I He's going to have to really get in the Premier League with Newcastle and start and perform very well to start squeezing in on the list of center backs. Uh, the depth in that pool has grown you know, substantially just in the last few months. Um, So that's going to wrap that up. We're going to come back and talk a little MLS, but first we're going to take a little break. See you on the other side. Welcome back everyone from the break. Uh, We're going to talk a little MLS coming up and give Sean his Sporting KC moment. But first, a little breaking news while we're on break. The Cameron Carter-Vickers loan deal to Celtic from Tottenham Hotspur is not off. They're still negotiating, but uh, as the time we got back on, they have about 15 minutes before the window closes in Scotland to get the deal done. Of course, they have to file the paperwork uh, by that deadline. It could be announced tomorrow. We won't know, but just to give you, we're staying on top of breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, e-boys in green. So, Sean, Sporting KC had a a strange game against Colorado Rapids this week. What were your thoughts? Well, initial thoughts as I was watching it, I was very angry for a lot of it. Going back and rewatching it, I'm still not exactly happy about it. <laughs> um... I'll just, we'll start the weekend wrap-up with this game. I'll be quick, don't worry. Um, Honestly, biggest takeaways from this game, uh, we need to be better about not letting up that early goal and then trying to play catch-up at home. We've been doing that a lot this year. We've been doing it well, but you can't do that all year long. 
can't do that in your home house. But uh, ended up 1-1. It was all good. You know, we got it back because Johnny Russell being an absolute machine from set pieces. Just chef's kiss of a goal. Just freezes the keeper. Glorious. Um, notably, though, there were... Uh, Couple of couple of handballs that I think they that they clearly missed um, in the box, which is one of them would have discounted their goal. One of them would have given us an, a PK, but whatever. It's one one. We get the points. It's not like we dropped points completely. I'll take it, uh, even though we definitely outplayed them. But that's beside the point. Um. Around the, around the league, we had a it was rivalry week again, and uh, El Trafico did not disappoint at all. Neither did Brian Rodriguez. Yeah, Brian Rodriguez with that goal when he skips through in the box on the left wing, breaks about six ankles, leaves people in the dust, and then puts it over the uh, player diving for a block over the goalkeeper. Uh, top bends in the side netting. That was. That was an exquisite goal. I oh yeah, about dropped my beer when that one went in. Yeah, uh, goal of the week in my opinion. Oh, goal absolutely. But again, LAFC just dominating possession, having chances they can't finish, and then defensively they let the goal go in at the end. And Bob Bradley's just got to be pulling his hair out, and now he's losing Diego Rossi. Uh. Carlos Vela, we don't know if he's coming back. He seems disinterested from what we can see. Rumors are he may be tiring of the project. Uh, that's just rumors. Don't know anything. But Bob Bradley's got to be on the hot seat now. They're dropping like a rock, and they're not playing well. They're, they're, they're playing well, but they're not figuring out how to win. It's the first time the LAFC has scored three goals in this MLS season. After watching them for the past three years or so, that's unbelievable how this team couldn't have scored more than two goals all season long to this point. So that that uh, El Trafico, it was a very exciting game. It was crazy, but LAFC's not looking that great. No, they, they definitely should be a lot better than they are, um, but that's not to discount how the Galaxy have been playing, uh, because they also, they, keep in mind, it was a 3-3 draw, so LA had to be doing, LA, the Galaxy had to be doing something right, too. Um, and without Chicharito. Exactly. How are how are they doing this without Chicharito? Uh, one of those things, when the star player's gone, people step up. They've got talent on that team. They've been plucking Ligue, Ligue 2 in France for a lot of uh, talented players and some of them are starting to play better and better. Uh, and Greg Vanny, of course, we know is an, a, an excellent coach. He's, you know, top of the league for coaches in MLS. So he's done his work. Uh, he's brought up kids from the Academy. He's done all the things that all the other coaches haven't done since Bruce Arenas. And now they got a coach. I want to go back to the Sporting KC Colorado game. Uh, Sporting, of course, dominated, had so many shots on goal. Colorado is, you know, still under the radar, but at the top, closing in on the top of the Western Conference, they're defensively very sound. 
And despite all the chances Sporting had, Cole Bassett at the very, very end of stoppage time had a sitter with a wide open goal and clanked it off the bar. Now, I don't know how he missed it. And Cole Bassett's been fabulous this year. He's 20-year-old, and reports were during break that he turned down a club record transfer offer to Benfica in the Portuguese league, you know, Benfica, big club. But it was only uh, basically training with the first team and playing on their B team. He turned it down. He wants to finish the season and try for, you know, trophy with the Rapids. Not a bad thing. He's still a hot commodity. There's teams, Vitisse and Anderlecht, that also play in Europe most every year. Uh, they're hot after him as well. So Cole Bassett's our next transfer, but that'll be in the winter market. Going back to uh, MLS news, uh, I don't think you watched this one, Sean, but you saw some of the highlights. New York City FC, who's played so well this year and doesn't win any game games, uh, took on league-leading New England Revolution and pretty much dominated them. In that game, to the point where Bruce Arena said that they outplayed us on the field and they outcoached us on the sidelines as well. Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it that's just, that's what the highlights showed, and I, I would agree. They looked really good, and uh, that second goal from Castellanos, who's on fire now, and that's what they need. They need him to be scoring goals. But when you've got Maxi Morales putting in balls like that, just right on his foot, just I don't see how you can't score like that. Yeah, and Castellanos has missed a lot of uh, ringers. He's been up and down this year, but the talent is there. I don't think he's a finished product yet, but uh, just the way that they play their game is uh, NYCFC. They're very fun to watch. Oh, yeah. But they're just not winning games. This might have kicked them over. Oh, yeah, this is definitely one of those games I'd call a statement win. They made a statement by beating the best team. They're like, hey, guys, we can win games and big ones, too. So I expect even if they when they make the playoffs, because they will. They may be in a lower seed, but I wouldn't sleep on them when it comes time, because if you if you don't put your foot on the pedal, you might end up getting blanked like the Ravs did. Yeah, we know they, they've got talent. they got the backing of the city football group. They've got a good coach. Uh, they haven't put the pieces completely together, though they've got them mostly together. If they get them all together, they very well could sneak up, get hot, and and win the cup this year. Don't sleep on, uh, on city. Another one, shocker, was uh, suddenly very well playing DC United kind of spanked. Philadelphia Union so much that Jim Curtin after the game goes, we haven't had the hell beat out of us like that as far back as I can remember. Now, Philadelphia is having trouble in the attack and DC United's coming on strong. They just play that helter-skelter football and are starting to turn them into goals. Did you catch any of that, Sean? Yeah, I, I managed to catch highlights on that one too. And yeah, from what I saw, DC just kind of slapped him around. And uh, did you happen to catch the uh, the goal by Reyna? Yeah. That was just... That's how you know you've got a quality striker. Because he's in the right place, in the right position, at the right time. 
for just well-timed rebounds like that. He's diving one way and has the wherewithal to contort his body and stick his leg out to hit the rebound when he's like two feet from the from the goalie where the ball is coming out. And that that's that's something you want in a striker. So D- DC put everything together that day and it worked. See if they can keep that up, especially against teams like Philly, because in the East, the top teams are the top teams. It's not as you don't have as much competition, it seems, this year. Uh, there, well, like uh, the mid-table down to below the playoff line, they're only separated by a few points. It's it's pretty much roll the dice right now who's hot. D.C. United's hot. Philadelphia hasn't been. Uh, it's going to be a crazy end of the season in MLS and that enforced parity, which can you can complain about, but it does make all the games exciting. There's no very few dead rubbers this time of year. Uh, yeah. So that makes it exciting in MLS. A couple of other things that happened was, uh, Freddie Juarez at Real Salt Lake quit his job as head coach to become assistant coach with the Seattle Sounders. Oh, kind of a shocking I move. I did not hear yes. that one. And Real Salt Lake, uh, does not have an owner. They hope to have a buyer coming in later this year. He's going to be out of contract. With a new owner coming in, everything going on, you know, it's not job security for him in RSL. They haven't really tore up the league either, though they have some talent on the team. Uh, uh, Assistant coaching job with the Sounders, pretty good way to get yourself another head coaching job, perhaps even better than getting fired from RSL. And then, right before we started recording... Uh, there was a report by Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic that as part of the negotiations for Gonzalo Pineda to leave uh, the Sounders as their assistant coach and head coach at Atlanta United, Atlanta paid the buyout clause with Freddie Juarez to come to Seattle. Oh. So there had to be negotiations and an okay for them to discuss the assistant coach job with their head coach at that time. Well, and it also like, not to overlook the point that uh, with Real Salt Lake, he had to live in Salt Lake City. <laughs> there is that. It is gorgeous, though. Well, yeah, Utah's beautiful, but Salt Lake. Mm. Anyway, yeah, um, very interesting dynamic going on with that. Like almost like three way trade for a coach um, with that Atlanta United situation with the buyout clause. Very interesting stuff there. Not a lot to say on it. Just it's, it's interesting to see a dynamic like that for a coach instead of a player. Grant Loggerway and the Sounders are playing chess while the rest of MLS is playing checkers. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. Another one interesting. Mark DeSantos got fired by Vancouver. They weren't doing very well. My goodness, these coaches are just dropping like flies. And then... Oh, a G- another GM lost their job, but I don't remember what team it was. That slips my mind. So there's now three GM openings in MLS and two head coaching jobs out there. Uh, get your uh, CV together there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to put my resume out. Maybe I can get a coaching job. There's plenty <laughs> of opportunities. There sure is. And then you got uh, Charlotte's got a head coach. But St. Louis City's going to need a coach, and they'll probably, it's probably a little early to be hiring now. 
that'll probably come in the summer or fall. And would you really want to give up your vaunted position as podcaster? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the stress is a lot less. <laughs> and and the pressure not to fail is a bit less as well. Just a bit. Let's <laughs> be frank. Or you be frank, I'll be Mike. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, to wrap up our coverage of MLS, the last game of the whole week was the vaunted Cascadia Cup matchup between Portland and Seattle, this time in Portland. And uh, Portland walked away with a 2-0 win, thanks to some opportunistic scoring, albeit one of them late, and uh, and some good use of the woodwork. Oh yeah, there was there was plenty of plenty of posts, plenty of crossbars, but this one was actually in Seattle. Oh, this one's in Seattle. That's, that's right. That's right. They traded yes, them. Yes, my bad. Because the last time, the last time Timbers got spanked in their own building, and I distinctly remembered making a note of this that they came into this game wanting revenge, and they got it by the skin of their teeth. But yeah, they did. <laughs> what did Seattle hit the the woodwork? At least five times. Yeah, not counting crossbar saves, that score should have been like six, like six two. It's insane how much they got saved by post there. I do. Amora is coming on so strong for Portland. He was so good in his interactions, either scoring or run, making runs later in the game. I see why they gave up on Jeremy Bobasi to the Quakes for all that gam. Uh, Mora hasn't played that well as a DP. He's really starting to do all the little things. Maybe not necessarily really putting the ball in the net at a high level, but there's a lot of things he does for that team. And they're going to need it because some devastating news came out of Portland, and this affects the U.S. men's national team, is in the first half, Eric Williamson had a non went down with a non-contact injury, and it's been confirmed he's got an ACL tear. He's out for the rest of the season. And probably out for World Cup qualifying. Yeah, and not just in the first half, in the first 10 minutes. And that really put like a pall over this game. Like this is not as relevant to like the score or what happened on the pitch for the rest of the game. But it was deathly quiet in that stadium after that happened. Um, even all, Damn near all the way up to the, the final whistle. It was like somebody had died on the pitch. And kudos to the fans there in Seattle. They, uh, uh, nobody likes to see that. And when you know it's a non-contact injury, you know it's not good. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. We saw that the Euros with Christian Eriksen. Where he did he stand, die. Yeah, he had the ball, he kicked it, and then wobbled and fell down. There wasn't any contact or anything to cause it, so that makes everybody immediately like something's terribly wrong. Oh. In his case, something was terribly terribly wrong yeah. yeah not quite as terrible as literally dying on the pitch but yeah but he got better <laughs> i mean he did actually it from what i remember because I, I love i love the man for his his service at tottenham but uh from my understanding he pulled a jabo on the pitch mm -hmm. and they had to revive him yeah he so he did die yeah he and he did die and he did get better it was I that I still very distinctly remember just the absolute just fear and like the like that just like horrible sinking pit in your gut feeling watching that in the Euros. That was Oh, horrible. I still have nightmares about yeah. it. I still have nightmares about it. And don't forget uh City SC sporting director Lutz Feinensteel. He also, also died on the pitch better. once. Yeah. 
on top of stealing penguins and spending a month in a Singaporean jail. He is the most interesting man in the world. Oh, that makes my heart smile. And someday maybe we'll go through his whole story. He's played competitions on seven continents. No one else has done that. Yeah, really just like a really remarkable history for that guy. Yeah, just hope he's a good sporting director. Yeah, and the way and now like the way that he talks about coming to St. Louis, like it's the most like remarkable accomplishment of his career is getting to to start this club. It's like, man, you've done so much, so much shit. And you think that this is the most remarkable thing you've done? Okay, it's the biggest uh, accomplished thing he's done. Yeah. So that's the question is, how good of a sporting director is he going to be? He's talking good. They seem to be organized. Uh, well, well, the Academy's starting at home this coming Saturday. Don't forget, folks. We'll be there. Uh, you know, weather and car trouble permitting. Uh, we'll be there for that. So we get to see the whole and thing. no, started. I will not be wearing a sporting jersey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but will you be wearing... It'll be like little Where's Waldo. You'll have to figure out who I am. But will you be wearing a cauldron scarf? No. All right, I'll bring no. I'll bring a I'll bring a St. Louis FC scarf for you then. <laughs> I'd be a little warm for the I, scarf. Oh, I have a scarf picked out. All right. I've got a scarf picked out. Don't worry. Is it your AO one? Don't worry about it. You'll you'll know you'll see it. <laughs> All right. And uh you know what? Anybody else have anything to say before we wrap up this uh this show after all that? Oh, wait. I've got something to say. Thank you for listening this long. We're going to have, hopefully, a special guest for you next week to go over the first two games of World Cup qualifying, as long as nothing falls through. So look forward to that next week. It's going to be an exciting show. Anyone else got anything to say? I think that's about all for me. Um, uh, how many yellow cards did I get this week? Yet to be none. determined. Just a verbal warning. <laughs> okay okay so next week i get I, I have another verbal warning i can use before i start getting yellow yeah Got the it. verbal warning for foul accumulation but otherwise you made it through you played well son well we'll have to see what your conduct Oof. we'll have to see what your conduct is at the uh at the academy games because you might pick up a few reds there okay time to write this up everyone <laughs> thank you for listening lovely listeners i'm your host mike turner i'm your producer mason and I'm your local hooligan, Sean. <laughs> and we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.